Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, it is such a thrill to be here at CBuzz Live. And in case you're wondering whether we are or not actually live, can I hear a little noise from our audience out there today? <laughs> we are... We are so thrilled that our audience, a live audience, it looks like there's about 75 people out there. I'm so thrilled that they've come here to join us today on CBuzz. And also, I am so thrilled to have with us one of the biggest success stories, entrepreneurially speaking, not just in Central Ohio, not just in Columbus, but in the entire United States of America, right here, CBuzz Live. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Cover My Meds, Matt Scantland, everybody, Matt. Thanks, Dan, great to, great to be here, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Now, like a lot of people, I first heard or, or became aware of Cover My Meds. I'm on Interstate 70. I'm going west. I'm coming out of downtown. I look to my right. There is a gigantic building, and there is a gigantic sign in huge letters that says, Cover My Meds, and that's when I knew that this was something huge, and obviously it is. You've been recognized not just here in Columbus, but throughout the United States as being one of the biggest, fastest growing private companies in America. Matt, tell us a little bit about Cover My Meds, what it is and what it does. Great. Have you ever been to the pharmacy and been told, sorry, but that, that prescription isn't covered? Yes. Many times. Yeah. So that happens 250 million times a year in this country. Wow. And it's such a hassle to get through that process that it's common about 50% of the time that the patient doesn't get the prescription that they need. Uh -huh. And of course what happens when patients don't get their prescriptions is they get sicker, yes. they become more expensive patients to take care of. Ultimately a lot of these are chronic illnesses that'll end in the hospital. So our mission is to help patients get the drugs they need to live healthy lives uh -huh. by making that prior authorization process dramatically easier. So you have taken something that was a pre-existing problem, offered a solution that people all across the country have benefited from, while you and your business has benefited as well. That, that's, a, that's exactly right. And what really gets us up in the morning is the number of patients ultimately that, that are helped. Every month, we're helping more than a million patients get the drugs they need that they probably wouldn't have gotten without our service. Excellent, that's, that's fantastic. Now Matt, before we get into a little bit more of your business, how it's grown, what you've done, I wanna talk a little bit about you and your background. First yeah. of all, kind of cool, I knew you way back in the day. We're both graduates of Upper Arlington High School, so it's cool to see you all these years later being as successful as you are. Um, your family, very entrepreneurial. You yeah. are tremendously successful. Your brother Pete, tremendously successful. Obviously there was some sort of entrepreneurial <clears throat> spirit in your home growing up. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how it influenced you? Yeah, yeah. So um, you're right. We, Pete and I both grew up always wanting to have our own businesses and we had incredibly supportive parents. Couldn't have done it without them. But the, the first entrepreneur was actually my grandpa uh -huh. on my mom's side. He'd been a, he was a, um, the son of uh, Czech immigrants. Mm -hmm. He grew up in Nebraska uh, on a farm and he came to Cincinnati, Ohio to go to engineering school. Okay. And in um, the early 1950s, he started a architecture and engineering firm called KZF, which still exists today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and Pete and I always thought that was so cool 
to have a grandpa that had his own company. And so from, from early on, we had always wanted to do that ourselves. Now, did you have any businesses maybe you and Pete put together when you were really young, things like when you were in middle school or something like that? Yeah, yeah. we had um, many high growth companies. <laughs> a, <laughs> I think it started with a lemon shake-up stand at, at, um, at, at elementary school. But, but actually, yeah, we, um, I've actually been an employee of of real companies since I was 13. Oh, really? Yeah. When I, in, in fact, I think I was probably employed illegally for, for, the, for, for the first year. I think the statute of limitations is run. I, I think we're good on I that. Ho I hope so. At, um, first at a bike shop. Uh huh. And I was a, a bike mechanic from when I was 13 years old till actually all the way through college. Oh, wow. Um, but before that, and the way I got into bikes, Pete and I um, saw all these cool mountain bikes and we said, we need to get some of those how can we make money? And um, one thing that's always been interesting to us is that anyone can go out and, and make their own money. And so right. um, we started figuring out how to do that. Every snow day, we'd go plow uh, driveways, we'd rake leaves, we'd mow lawns, we painted um, uh, addresses on curbs, mm -hmm. walking, walking around the neighborhood. And every time we did that, we'd put our money into a, a wine bottle. And <laughs> We didn't drink the. We weren't old enough to drink the wine. Good at, interest at that, yields on at, that on that wine bottle. That's right. And then we cracked that thing open six months later, and we had twelve hundred dollars and enough to buy our own mountain bike, each of us. And and I got into bikes and ended up with a, working at the bike shop. But learned early on that if you set your mind to doing something, it's possible to to be successful, and and you can do that in a way that that makes money. Ohio State, you have kind of an unusual double major. You're an economics major and a biochemistry major. That is a, a, an unusual combination of majors. Could you tell us a little bit about what took you in that direction? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I started out at Ohio State thinking I'd be an engineer. Uh-huh. And that was mostly my grandpa's influence. He, the, the one that had, had KZF. Um, pretty early, I got through the early classes in engineering and pretty early on, got interested in research and thought I might be a research um, doctor. Mm -hmm. And um, so I focused on biological sciences and had my own research uh, project out on West Campus. But um, as I got a little bit later into college, I think it was before my, uh, before I was gonna do a MD, um, PhD. Oh wow. And before I, um, uh, before I graduated, I went to the hospital. I had an ulcer and got really sick and spent some time in the hospital. And while I was really interested in medicine, I realized I'd be a terrible doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it was really about the, more about the patient care. I, I was passionate about the idea of it, but I just didn't think I could be a great doctor. And so it, I actually, I did, it's not a major. I picked up an economics minor okay. to, um, to try and open up some some new opportunities because this this was in 2000 and I started thinking about well what is someone with good grades that was going to go to med school do in the year 2000 well I'll go get a job at one of these tech at the time everyone it was the tech big tech consulting company mm -hmm. so I said I'll pick up some business skills through that economics degree and I did that and graduated and um, always thought I'd go back to school but never uh, never did. Well, you became an entrepreneur not long out of school because you right. started your first company just a few years after graduation. Could you right. tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So 
after school, I, I, um, I actually, I watched my, I got a job my senior year at the very peak of the, the stock market mm -hmm. right before the crash. Mm -hmm. And so I, I spent my senior year um, watching that company that hired me tank. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it was it was great for the first the first half of my senior year because right. I, I was all set up for a, a nice job, and I watched that tank. And so I had to scramble at the end of school to to find something else. I did. It was a great company, um, and I learned. So I'd done some programming in college, but I learned the software uh -huh. and um, healthcare business at that. It was a large company, and. After about two years, I went to someone else's startup. Um, it was a company called Medcost. Mm -hmm. And what, what we did at Medcost is we wrote software that modeled insurance contracts to try and find claims that weren't paid right. That lasted about, I think it was about nine months. And that company um, failed, too. <laughs> but it <laughs> wasn't my company, but it was someone else's, and uh -huh. it was a great experience. And two guys that still, I still work with today, a guy named Chip and Dan, and I got together the, the very next day in the morning and said, let's start our own company. We really didn't know what we were going to do. Uh, Dan is, was a programmer. Chip was a, a server, an, an infrastructure server person. I was kind of more a, an analytics person. But we were all technical people. And, and we said, well, we're not sure exactly what we'll do, but we'll start a company and we'll get people to pay us to do something that has to do with computers. <laughs> <laughs> And we, we called it Innova Partners, and really the core idea, while we, we weren't sure exactly what we'd do, we did have a strong initial idea, and we said, let's create the best place for technical people to work in Columbus. And at the time, this, this was in early 2004, so the country had really hadn't even recovered from the dot-com mm -hmm. crash. And at the time, that seemed crazy because most companies were thinking about how do I get rid of these annoying programmers? How do I send those jobs to, to offshore to India? And you wanted to bring them in. And we wanted to br not only bring them in, but we wanted to create the best place for them to work. And, and that sounded a little bit radical. Today, I think there's a lot more companies that would say that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. These programmers are important. But back then, it was a bit radical. But it ended up forming a really strong culture that ended up being important to us as we built Cover My Meds Next. My co-founder, a guy named Sam Rajan, uh -huh. um, who's a pharmacist, was an executive at one of our customers, a company called Member Health. And Member Health had a Medicare Part D program. So this was the first prescription drug insurance program for seniors that's provided by the government. And we helped build a prior authorization system for Member Health. Uh -huh. and um, as I was working with Sam, what we realized, it, we were really trying to make a great system that was easy for doctors and pharmacists to use. But no matter what we did, we were still seeing this prescription abandonment problem. And so the eureka moment was to say, you know what, it doesn't really matter how good we make this one insurance company's process. It's still one of a couple dozen that doctors and pharmacists need to navigate, each with their own process, their own website, their own passwords. Um, it's just too hard. What we need to do is change the entire paradigm and flip this around. And instead of the process being insurance company-centric, let's make it provider doctor-centric, uh -huh. one-stop shopping, if you will, so that doctors can standardize on our process and submit a prior authorization to any insurance plan, one for each of their 
patients. And, and Sam and I got together and talked about this idea and said, we'll call it Cover that night, the first night we first talked night about it. First night, you came up with the name the first yeah, night. We said, we'll call it Cover My Meds because that's what patients say when they're frustrated with the process is why won't they just cover my meds? There are, across the internet, there are thousands of patients on Yahoo, discussion yeah. groups, um, com patient complaints at the insurance company is why won't you just cover my meds? I need this to, to live in many cases. And so we were passionate about solving that problem. And that core idea, one-stop shopping, and fundamentally addressing that abandonment problem by making this process dramatically easier has really been what's carried us to where we are today. Which is pretty much explosive, tremendous, incredible growth. Yeah. And it's gotta be incredibly fulfilling for you as well, because when you go back to what you originally wanted to go to college for, to help yeah. patients, you've been able to do it on a tremendously broad scale. That's gotta be fulfilling on multiple levels for you. Yeah, it's it's been great. We've been really fortunate. Um, it's not one of the one of I think our, our best reasons for success isn't really any one thing we've we've done some things right for sure, but it's not just us. Um, Cover my med the success of Cover My Meds is rooted in picking a problem that when solved everyone wins. Yeah, and so we call that the network effect. What what I mean by that is our product actually becomes more valuable to our existing customers as more customers join. So to give you an example, if I'm a pharmacy that uses Cover My Meds, uh -huh. I want all of the doctors in my neighborhood to use Cover My Meds too, because then when I start a prior authorization for my patient, the doctor can finish it. If I'm an insurance company, I want all of the doctors to use Cover My Meds because now I have this great electronic process. It's my lowest cost process. It reduces prescription abandonment. And so we have all of these customers pulling for us. And, and our job really is to maintain a neighborhood where everyone wins. We have to be careful about how we do that, <laughs> but to maintain that neighborhood where everyone wins. And what we get out of that is help growing because all of these customers want us to grow. So everyone who's involved with the process, the Cover My Meds, everyone who's using it, they want everyone else to be using it because it streamlines what they're doing. It makes what they're doing easier. It makes what the doctors are doing easier. The pharmacies, everyone involved. So the more it grows, the easier it is for everybody. And so you win, they win, the patients win. <laughs> you found this business that's just amazing. So in the initial days, you're basically sacrificing revenue because you have consultants yeah. who could be out there billing time. And instead you're like, no, you're not going to be out there billing time. You're going to be working on this. Right. We're not going to make that revenue that you would have made out in the field, but we have such faith in this product that we believe in the long run that sacrificed revenue will pay off. Yeah. I think maybe less faith in the product and more faith in that we'll eventually, we, we have a viable path to do this forever until we find the product that will work. <laughs> so if, if it wasn't Cover My Meds, I'll tell you about how we knew, when we knew Cover My Meds was the one, yes. but, but what made us okay at night was saying, we can do this forever, right? Because we're, we're paying the bills with the work that we're doing over here this product that we're doing over here, that may be a dud, but there can be, eventually there won't be a dud and, and we're gonna be fine. But you have to get yourself into that position. And in fact, I think that's, that kind of bootstrapping idea is probably as underused 
when you think about if you want to build a big company nowadays is probably underused because what it allows you to do, there's a giant space between what is going to be rocket ship companies mm -hmm. and what could actually be a great business for an entrepreneur to own. Mm -hmm. But if you go out and, and get money from investors to do that, you're going to be chained to the to the to that first idea right. for a decade or longer because you don't want to, I can't lose my investors their money. So I might be chained to something that ultimately isn't going to have as big of an impact on the world as I really want to um, because I'm, I have an obligation now. We didn't have, we had some, ob we had customer obligations, but we were able to honor those while continuing to work on multiple products till we found the right one. We got to the point where we had some customers and us users, pharmacies and doctors, before we ever needed to raise any money because we had funded it from the, really from the consulting revenue stream. Um, Sam, um, Sam jumped from, from the insurance company to join Cover My Meds. He was really the first. Uh -huh. I had a number of employees already who were working on Cover My Meds. And we were able to eventually get comfortable um, with, we were able to eventually get comfortable with putting some money in. And we, we actually, we started with um, me, Sam, and my dad joined us, a I think two years after. Okay. And all of us put some money in and continued to fund the program until I think we were two, or two and a half years. And eventually we'd gotten to the point where it clearly was a viable product and that was when we were comfortable taking on um, some investors and we started with um, an organ a great organization in town called um, actually in Cleveland called jumpstart uh -huh. they're they're like Rev one is in Columbus but but in Cleveland and uh, some some other folks that we knew that had been successful business people and that I, I think we took in about a million and a half dollars in that round and that took us um, a very we a very long way, mm -hmm. really, until we had built a, a large company. And so, um, doing, but but that was only possible because we had a we had the a business that we knew worked. Um, we just wanted to be able to hit the gas pedal a little bit a little bit more. Have you uh, when you when you look back on some of those early days, are there some mistakes you made? that you learned from or that other potential entrepreneurs could learn from things you might have done differently in the early stages of cover my meds one of the ideas we talk about today is it mistakes are okay mm -hmm. and in fact a big part of our culture is letting decisions be made as close to the ground as as possible that's where the best information is and so but to have that you need to be able to tolerate mistakes and so an idea that we have is you know if you think about a ship I can drill all the holes in in the ship I want to as long as they're above the water line, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to be I'm going to be fine. I might need to go plug them eventually. But you're not going to sink. But I'm not going to sink. And you just need to be careful that you don't make the mistakes below the water line. Some of the below the water line mistakes I think that that we made in IME base as an example was and I would say two big ones. One is going after a market that wasn't ultimately going to be large enough. I think if you want to build the type of company that we wanted to build and, and what Cover My Moments has become, you need, to be, you need to be solving a problem that is giant. The other one that I think is maybe less appreciated is business is trying to find a market that where you can create this network effect that I was talking about. I think if you're not an incumbent company, if you, if you can't just 
plop the link to the new product on the Google homepage, if you will. You really need to you really need to get your customers doing some of the selling for you. Really? Yeah. And, and so you need a legitimate network effect. And what I, what I mean is you can count on the self-interest of your customers to actually want you to be successful and to, and to get bigger. And we, and that was, um, that's mostly about picking a problem that when it's solved, lots of different parts of the ecosystem can win. How have you managed explosive growth and what was it like when you have that first realization of explosive growth because you started cover my meds what 2008 2008 2008 and you're already here at the end of 2016 you said we're gonna have 500 employees we've got a 70,000 square foot office we got the huge letters off interstate 70 you've had that moment where this is huge and and you're having to deal with something that is expanding at a rapid huge rate tell us a little bit about what that's like yeah yeah so um, that's that that of course is a has always been a huge challenge a couple of things that we try and keep in mind. The first is all of the, these problems start with amazing people. Yeah. And so the core, we really extended into from Cover My Meds, that core idea of let's be the best place for people to work in town. We started with let's be the best place for technical people. Today, we want to be the best place for people that, ambitious people, ambition in a good way, people that want to do something amazing. Not Machiavellian people. Right, right. <laughs> we want to be the best place for those people to work right. because those are the people, there's no roadmap. Those are the people that can come and help figure it out. The second thing is to, um, that we try and do is to think about the right systems for the right point in time. For the company, and what I mean by that is, what what got us here isn't necessarily going to get us there, and so we try and be flexible about the way we approach these different things. The communication systems, the way we communicate with people, something that worked at ten people doesn't work at fifty, right. and doesn't work at and doesn't work at five hundred, and th- that's imperfect. You know, I'll sit here and act like we have all the right answers. The reality is that. I think the best you can do is be aware of how you're doing uh-huh. and recognize that you're going to have to learn new skills and try and what we try and do is let's try and be a good 300 person company by the time we're a good 400 person company. And it's really that, that awareness, something someone told me this year that's, that's really been helpful is thinking about how people learn things. Uh-huh. You go from, um, unconscious incompetence. That is, I don't even know what I don't know. I suck, but I actually don't even realize that. <laughs> to, to, to conscious incompetence. Yes, yes. Meaning I now know that I need to improve. Right. Eventually to competence. And what propels you through that circle is awareness. And, and as we think about our company, that's happening to everyone. It, it's kind of like this Peter principle. The Peter principle is you, everyone gets promoted to their point of incompetence. Right. In our company, everyone grows, the company grows to everyone's point of incompetence, meaning it's harder to be a manager at Cover My Meds today than it was a year ago uh-huh. because the company is twice as big. Yes. Um, it's harder, my job is different than it was a year ago. There's frequent times that I'm incompetent 
in that role, but I need to, I need to realize that and, and learn new skills. You're always aware. That's right. That's right. You mentioned a little bit about making it the best place to work. And I want to talk a little bit yeah. just about, we mentioned it earlier, the culture at Cover My Meds, the, the catered meals, yeah. the Nintendo, um, all that kind of stuff that's kind of a Silicon Valley style work environment. What do you think that adds to the company beyond the bottom line and the bottom line? Yeah, yeah. So we think that that the long-term competitive advantage for our company is, is people. Uh-huh. Every technology company has a particular growth curve. We're, we happen to, you know, the best you can hope for is to get on that hockey stick. We're on the hockey stick now. I think we have a, actually have a, quite a long way to go. You've got the whole hockey bag. <laughs> that, that's right. But ultimately, you need to get on another hockey stick with a new, with a new big thing. Uh-huh. And the way to do that is to have amazing people that can build a, a big company, but also can build a, can make that big company amenable to constant change. And so our long-term competitive advantage, even though we're a technology company, is actually the people, uh-huh. not, the, not the technology. And so it starts from saying, how do, what do the best people want? And some of the things you described, the Silicon Valley style perks, those help make us a nicer place to work. Sure. I think for a really, that we want to hire someone that can go work at a Silicon Valley, a programmer that could go work at Google. So let's make, let's give them what they expect here. Um, but I think more than that, the, the war, software is rewiring huge amounts of the industry, and we're going to get to the point where the most evil companies in the world realize that they can kind of fake it if they get a pool table and a keg. <laughs> and, and, and so, so let's get the, we'll have the pool table and the keg first. Yeah, you have but, it first, and you're but, not faking right, it. Right, but let's make sure we're not faking it. And so what does not faking it mean? I, it's a thousand decisions, really, uh-huh. I think. That, that are less obvious, that collectively come together to show our people that they're, we actually believe that they're the most important part of our business. It's the times that we make tough decisions that are in their favor, even mm-hmm. though we in some, sometimes might have had the ability to, to go a different direction. It's the times when we take more time to make a decision to make people feel like they mattered. It's when we give the people on the ground the decision-making authority and trust them that they really believe that they're the most important part of the company. And so that's what we're, again, we're, ne- we're never perfect. But I think one of our strengths is that across the entire company from our senior management team, across the entire company, we truly actually believe that. And uh-huh. so when we get a pass sometimes when we don't do things right, but because I think over time we've accumulated um, and we've shown people, we've accumulated people's trust because we've shown them that we're going to take good care of them and actually do believe that they matter. A lot of built up goodwill. What I'm going to leave behind is, is the way that we treated people and the impact that we had. And that's, the, that's always been an important part of, of our thinking. And I've been incredibly fortunate to find other people that could join the company that had that same belief. This isn't just me. Mm-hmm. This is Dan and Chip from the very beginning, 
and then this is Sam when he joined and um, and the rest of our management team. Matt Scantlin, cover my meds. Thank you so much for joining us here on CBuzz. This has been an incredible, fascinating, enlightening conversation, and I'm sure uh, our listeners are, are just going to take so much away from it, as I'm sure our audience here today did as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here today on CBuzz. For Matt Scanlon from Cover My Meds, I am your host, Dan Swartout. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, our producer, Delara Casey, who you heard at the top of the show, engineering Mark Pasternak from Jump Goat Media, and our recording right here, CBuzz Live for the very first time, but I hope not the last time, right here at Groove U Studios. Thank you so much, Matt Scanlon. Thank you so much to our audience, and especially thank you so much to you for listening to us here on on CBuzz. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>